Hello. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How do I sound? Uh, you sound awesome. <laughs> okay. Because I, uh, I I still can't feel my uh, my my side of my tongue or or my uh, 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 that side of my mouth. So I think that'll be just fine. <laughs> do you, do you uh, do you need that? I mean, really, have you used um, those parts of your mouth in previous podcasts? As far as I know, I always use all parts of my mouth whenever I'm podcasting. I I try to reserve some. Huh. For, That's it. You know, sometimes Just, I will I will only chew on one side. I, it, during a podcast. <laughs> I try not to chew at all during a podcast. Now, the listeners ch- don't like that. When you chew during a podcast, you just mute it. Yes, yeah. but only on one side. Only on one side. I uh, – um, what was I going to? So no one knows what we're talking about, but you you just uh, got back from the dentist. I did. I, I went to the dentist yesterday for my six month cleaning, and uh, the dentist said, "Well, you know, we got a filling here. I don't like the looks of it." And I was like, "Oh crap!" Awesome. Um, yeah. So um, and then they're like, "Well, you know, you should come in. You should come in soon." And my travel schedule is just absolutely nuts. Basically, from now, pretty much until IAFP. Wow. So I have pretty – I mean that's not exactly true, but, I, but I'm like – that's, that's what I'm sort of – I'm telling myself that so yeah. that I don't – I turn down opportunities because yeah. I, I, I really have very little flex in my schedule. And I, I seriously am busy. I'm gone all next week and all the following week for sure. And then after that, it's, it's, it's still pretty packed and pretty busy. So when the dentist said, well, can, we, can you come in tomorrow at 9? You know, and so this is, this is that day. This is tomorrow. And, and so it's 11 as we're recording this and at 9. At 9, I was not yet numb. But by 9.15, they had me numbed up. So it's, uh, it's wearing off, but it's not pleasant. You, um, you sound great. I mean, really. Well, thanks. And, and I, <laughs> I have um, recent experience with the dentist in a, mm. in a bad way. Like not a mm. bad way, but I had um, two crowns put on because – yeah. In, in the same day, um, and uh, and actually, I had the same crown put on twice, three weeks apart because they put on mm. a temporary crown and, they put mm. it and I'd never oh, had yeah, it's done. been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I am really quite um, uh, I don't know uh, self conscious about freezing. Like, so I had a you know I had to come in and do something in my office after one of those episodes of me sitting mm-hmm. in the dentist chair for three hours and and I, I i really just kept saying to people i think i'm drooling i just let me know if because i can't feel anything i think i think there's just liquid dripping out of my mouth and <laughs> so i understand i know what you're going through mm-hmm. I've, I've got I'm, I'm i'm there i got your back i got your back buddy. well i i <laughs> i appreciate that um and you know we had originally scheduled to record at 10 30 and then uh, i pushed it for half an hour and i'm still not yet Unnumb, but you know whatever we. I mean, hey, I got to do it, right? I mean, I have a busy, I have a busy day. I can't. Uh, we can't sit around. I'm, I'm gone all next week. You're gone, I think, all next week I too, am, or yeah. next week to different places, and we should talk about that. Um, but uh, we got to get this done because uh, you know the the listeners uh, demand it. They do. They do demand it. They we so. As as always, we're like at a phase, right? So we'll we'll talk about something that someone's going to hear about in a couple of weeks, or a week, or whenever we we get around to it. But um, the last two episodes, I had um, 
as my responsibility, and I was a little bit slack on. Well, but let's let's be clear. They weren't your responsibility, <laughs> but because you got confused yes. over what was your responsibility, you ended up doing the audio and the uh, show notes for the last two episodes. And then as a payback for that or to, to, to kind of lighten your load or, or share the load, I guess is the right expression, um, the next episode, which I have not done yet, is on is on my shoulders. So 60 is posted, 61 is in the can, as they say, and that's that's my responsibility to deal with that. And we're recording 62 right now. That's right. And and when we put up 59 and 60, um, the the masses responded. I mean, they the the fans were they were looking for it. Um. Hey, hold on one second. I'm going to try. I'm uh, on Wi-Fi and maybe on wired. So I'm just going to try to turn uh, turn Wi-Fi off and we'll see if you drop. OK, hold okay. on. OK, let's try that. Hold, hold on to your seat. Done. Because it's going to be if, if you drop, it's it's a pretty big drop. Ding, ding. OK, I'm ready. Are you there? I'm there. Oh, man. How about that? Look at that. The technology. Technology works. Didn't miss a beat. Yeah. You do, You are sounding a little tiny bit robotic to me, but huh. yeah, that's oh, okay. You know, it could be because Dropbox is on. Uh, well, oh, you know, and I did not do any of that stuff either. So here, it real in real time, okay, yep. in real time, we will, we, will, we will handle all of this. Um, I'm going to... What else time machine pre- the people this is why they tune in um close down all right powerpoint oh you know i just turned time machine on oh, oh. So you're backing up N- yeah okay. well not now i just turned it off again oh, no, oh. Turn that off. this is great this um, is why people tune in yeah uh i almost turned off skype don't do that no, that would that would well. I, we could try. Yeah, <laughs> we well, could try the try recording an episode without Skype. I know it would happen. It would drop. That would drop the call. That would that would certainly end up. It would get a ching uh, noise or whatever the uh, indicator is from Skype. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Ching. Um, so, uh, so, you, so dentist. So you had that. oh, so an interesting conversation with the 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 dentist assistant. Um, she was like, well. You know he has to he has to do a speech at uh, ten thirty. Will he be okay? And then she and then she was asking me like, "Well, is your what is your speech about?" And I said, "It's a po- food safety podcast." And I wasn't looking at her, but I imagine if I was looking at her, I would have seen that look in her eyes that uh, I don't know what he's talking about. But I should have said I should have you know and yeah you know we can this is this, this might be a good topic for the podcast. Um, I should have said it's an internet radio show, right? Oh, yes, because. People understand what the internet is and they understand what radio is. They don't necessarily understand what – I mean everybody who's listening to this understands what a podcast is. But, but you know, how do you explain podcasts to somebody who doesn't know what a podcast is? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe an internet radio show would be the thing. Yeah, I think that, that, that'll, that, that captures, it, captures it. It's something you can listen to on the internet or you can download it. And, and, you, <laughs> and you don't have to listen. You don't even have to listen to it. If, we don't. Do we know someone who does that? I I, I was in Des Moines with Linda last week, so this week. <laughs> so we were talking a lot. I've mentioned several times about how she uh, uh, downloads but does not listen. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a running joke. <laughs> Never gets old. No, it really doesn't. It's awesome. Um, so I had a, a not. I didn't talk about the podcast, but I uh, yesterday I went to um, uh, Nashville to the Tennessee. Foods Governors Task Force on Food Safety and Defense meeting mm-hmm. with our with our friend Faith uh, Kreitzer, mm-hmm. 
And um, so, but so here's my my run in of, um, you know, what do you do and how does it impact people? I'm renting my car so I can drive to the meeting spot, and uh, the the car person is uh, very, um, you know, very nice. He's, he says, uh, you know, what are you in town for? I said, oh, you know, business. He goes, oh, uh, and notice that I would be returning the car like three hours later, four hours later. He goes, well, what kind of business? I said, oh, I'm, I'm a, you know, he said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a, I'm a professor. Uh, what kind? I was like, food safety. And then all the doors opened up. Like four people <laughs> walk in. They're like, can I, uh, you know, can, can, I, can I thaw hamburger on my counter? Can I freeze it again after I've thawed it? Can I thaw? Like it was about this conversation, this like – 10-minute conversation about thawing. And then at the end of it, the guy goes, I bet that happens to you all the time. And I was like, yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> Mention food safety. Everyone's got they, – they, you know, you can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure the, the dental assistant really ever understood what food safety was either. <laughs> I'm trying to – anyway, I – maybe it was me. I was probably off my game because I was anxious about uh, the dentist uh, – um, shooting Novocaine into my mouth and then and then drilling away. But <laughs> you know, it's so funny. But this other thing I have to share. So he gets me. He gets me all numbed up. He goes. He gets. He get, he goes in there with the 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 drilly thing and he gets it all cleaned up. Right, like gets all the old filling out of there and then some some uh, decay that he wanted to get rid of. And then he uh, he he puts this 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 thing in my mouth that basically holds it open so he can put the new filling in and he gets that done and he sits there and he looks, he looks down at my mouth and he says, God, I love my job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I thought was like, I thought that was the greatest thing. And, you know, awesome. I think about, I think about this sometimes. Like I think about it when I'm at the dentist, I think about it when I'm in an airplane and basically my life is in somebody else's hands. And I think about, well, God, what if they they screw it up? Yeah, and then I think, well, you know, but people people place their trust in me, and you know, so and, and I think that trust is justified, you know. So if I'm making a helping a company with a food safety problem or or, or doing something where you know maybe it really you know it really matters, um, I feel pretty confident in my own abilities, and then I sort of project myself onto the airplane pilot or to the dentist or to the anesthesiologist or the surgeon or whatever, and and that makes me feel better. Well, yeah. And I, and I think about, well, he does this. It's like he does this every day. Every day he has his fingers in somebody's mouth. He's, he's scraping away. He's doing this stuff where the, air, the, the pilot is flying. It's like they do this every day. I, I, I hope they're, you know, I hope they're good or I'm, I'm sure they're good. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that sometimes I look I, – I, it's, it's not good to see the pilots because then – this probably doesn't matter to you, but they are younger and younger all the time. <laughs> no, that uh, I like that. I like. I wish. I hope there's some that are younger than me. Even I, 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 I want. I want the old guy that has seen absolutely everything. Yeah, and that looks that looks relatively fit. Right. Okay. Good. I just don't want the guy that's like old and he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna have a nap up here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the one, the ones that look sleepy. I don't want. I don't like. No. Them. I. So I know an airline pilot. Um, fairly well. I play hockey with one. Oh, awesome! Yeah, he's he's a really cool, really cool guy, and he's he flies actually flies for Air Canada, but lives here in in Raleigh. And um, of, of course, course he, right? he plays hockey. He plays hockey. Yeah, and and uh, um, offers to bring me uh, Timbits from Tim Hortons every time he comes home. Um, but uh, he um, 
you know, he talks about th- this is something that's, th- that makes me feel better about um, airplanes, you know, so or airline folks. And I don't know how representative he is or, or what. But, um, you know, every time that there's a crash like the Malaysian Air thing and there's been two or three incidents um, that have happened since I've known since I've known him. Um, and so I, you know, I look forward to Monday nights going in and, and talking to him. And I was like, yeah, hey, what do you think about this? So he shared with me that in for for the commercial pilots that he flies with, um, and it's you know it's a different um, you know a different team uh, every week uh, pretty much. He said that they're extremely um, they're they're all control freaks. So this concept of um, a pilot getting up there and flipping on autopilot and and you know uh, and and they even have auto landing. Uh, capability said 95% of the people he flies with, they want to do it themselves. And it's not that they don't trust the technology, but they got, they became pilots because they like to fly and they like to land. And he said, and, and we're, we're control freaks because that's what, you know, what, what it's all about is walk, you know, doing the walk around and making sure everything is, is fine. It, it, he said it takes a, um, a certain type of personality uh, to be a pilot. He's like, there's not a lot of laid back guys that I work with. Mm-hmm. It's like really that's that's good, and also I was yeah. you know the amount of flying that that both uh, both of us do I do I always get you know like nervous because it's not my hands, uh, and then I think oh well you know what the pilot probably doesn't want to die either, so they're going to do <laughs> they're going to do everything they can to if make he sure. does yeah if he does we have a much bigger problem right. yeah. Like, I, I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, this isn't the time I, I don't want to die here. Um, and then I think, oh, well, he's probably doing the best he can because he's probably thinking the same thing. He wants to go home <laughs> just as fast as I do. <laughs> well, and, you know, the fact that they are control freaks and they do obsess over the details. I mean, we and we and, you know, you and I do this with our own work. We know people who who do this um, that uh, that are obsessive about details. And, and that's and that's good. Right. If, if your yeah. life is in some if somebody else's life is in your hands, you want to make sure that you get it right. Exactly. So and I, I did see a pilot the other day doing a walk around uh, on an airplane. It's like, oh, yeah. And they probably do that all the time. But I just happened to just, you know, happen to notice that I guess at the Des Moines airport. It was, you know, I was sitting where it was particularly well suited to, to see somebody doing that. So and I, I just don't even pay attention to it most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and, you know, you're, you're this is you know, our, our podcast has gone in an odd direction here. But I do I really do like that your dentist <laughs> likes his job. Like the, yeah, it just was like it just yeah. like it made me feel good that he that he was excited to be to be putting you know yeah. m- amalgam in my mouth you know yeah and he just reminded himself and you know that that you know maybe like hey I I'm gonna do a, a really good job because I really like this it, well and it was way it was way more inspiring than if he had just said oh crap thank God it's Friday exactly another goddamn mouth yeah another, <laughs> you know I mean that would that would have made me feel bad another but mouth this made me feel good <laughs> another mouth another dollar so, yeah totally I had a dentist um, when we lived in Guelph who had um, I can't remember what his what his name was but he had this like really big family and like I, I got to know him only from going to the dentist but he would tell me all these stories he he was interested that I was studying food safety and he took you know biochemistry or something at uh, university and then decided to go to dental college or dental school and he had like eight kids and he would uh, every time he would x-ray me like my, my teeth he'd be like hey come on back here and he'd take me back into the room where he's reading the x-rays and he's showing me the stuff he goes you'll like this you'll like this you're an, you're a scientist and I really did like that. I thought it was awesome. Like, I, you know, there, there are certain things that I want to 
you know, I, I kind of want to know what they're doing and what they're seeing just from an interest sake. It's not like I have any say over it. And, and it's just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in that. And so I never really thought about it. You know, I never had a dentist do that when, when I was growing up. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, I want to, what does that look like? And then I'd ask him questions like, I have this line on my tooth. What does that look like in the x-ray? And what, what would cause that? And, um, it was, it was cool. It's good to, it's good to run into people that really like what they do. Yeah, I had, had just a, this is the last dentist story, I promise. So um, today, um, like the new thing they have is they have a computer in the room with you. And so he can put your x-rays up on the computer. And he's like, yeah, see, now look here where the where the filling was kind of pulling away and the, the tooth was here. And you can see you want the filling to kind of line up with the tooth. You don't want this little, you know, place where it goes in because then you can get, you know, debris, uh, you know, and, and decay can, can be in there. Um, and he said, but it really looks worse on the x-ray. It really wasn't that bad once I got in there. And I said, so what you're telling me is you didn't really need to do it. He said, no, as a matter of fact, um, it didn't look as bad, but it's good that we did do it because in a year's time, it would be worse. And so, but he, cause he, again, he showed me right on the x-ray, said, look, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it. And, and again, it was, and it's cool, right? Cause we're, we're nerds and we like, we like it when other people are interested in their job and, and like explaining, like that's, you know, that's part of our professors too. We like to explain stuff and we also like to have stuff explained to us, right? By, by a, a you know, an, a competent expert. Right. Well, and d- just to bring this really into what we do talk about um the the talk that i that i gave yesterday in in nashville um was about food safety behavior and i i did some some new material stuff and sort of went back into the behavior theory um literature and started pulling out some um you know what are the what are the things that i think matter and um a common theme in in a lot of my um a lot of my talks, and even going back to a few papers that that I've written on this, it, it's about telling if you want someone to change their behavior, you have to tell them the why, not just the prescriptive information. And that you know that's what the dentists were telling us, right? It's like here's the why, here's the stuff that that is of interest. So so brush your effing teeth, or what you know, or whatever, um, or, you know, or I'm gonna fix your. Um, you know, fix your, uh, your filling here. And this is why I'm doing that. That's not, I mean, really it's not often done in the food safety training, um, implementation world, but that's, that, that's the kind of thing that, that gets us excited, uh, about stuff. And, and the literature shows that, uh, that at least tries to convince people on, uh, how to, you know, that they should change their behavior. And, you know, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because that was something that had just occurred to me early on in my career that it was it was way more interesting to me to to explain to people the why and it seemed to make a difference to them again not not a behavior researcher not anybody who tested that uh, hypothesis empirically but it always seemed to me like that you owed it to people to explain why and and it was useful too because sometimes um, the why. Um, if you ask that question, why it helps you to point out when you get you know BS recommendations that that don't make any sense because there is no why or the why is kind of you know not you know the why doesn't connect to the what you're asking people to do right so uh, you know yeah that's it's 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 good to know that that is supported by the research yeah absolutely that matters um, it matters a lot and I you know. The types of um, workshops that that you um, that you put on when you're you're really 
um, delivering, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, maybe a HACCP course or better process control school or, or anything that you're, you're dealing with the, um, some of the, the more technical folks. Um, the, the why, I mean, matters there. And I think it's, it's probably more fleshed out in the material. Um, I, I reviewed uh, a couple of um, food safety training programs for food service uh, companies uh, this year. And in, in a lot of what, what's there is really, really prescriptive. Like, you know, wash your hands when this happens. Um, here's how you clean the deli slicer. Um, you know, the steps on what to do were very clear. And that is, um, that is training, right? Like that's what, what people in the, um, in the communication education literature would say, well, that's, you're training someone on a task, but it's, it's not, um, making a compelling argument on why they should do it. Um, if you just give them the prescriptive information. So just, you know, naturally you're, you're doing a lot of that, um, because it makes sense to you where, um, you know, in, in my experience, the, the folks that, that develop some of the training material don't, aren't, uh, may not even be clear onto the whys themselves or the importance of telling those whys. And, and so it ends up um, in this, like, do this type training thing, and it's not very good. So. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and even even in the kind of more, maybe more technical stuff that I do, it's still the why is not always there, you know. And, and with hand washing especially, it's like, well, okay, you wash your hands, why? Well, you want to get bacteria off your hands. Well, why? Well, bacteria can cause illness, you know. But what, but, 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 you know, we are most of us most of the time not walking around with pathogens on our hands. So anyway, um, been thinking a lot about hand washing. We've got a manuscript <clears throat> From uh, um, uh, my graduate student Dane, who apparently listens, but he says he's way behind on podcasts. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset about that. But <laughs> by the time he listens to this, maybe he'll be caught up. But because um, uh, I mean, what his his excuse for why he doesn't listen more is he only has a ten minute commute. And I told him he should just move farther away. But he didn't want to hear any of that. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, so we got a, a hand washing manuscript uh, from his master's thesis that I finally got around to getting edited up and, and got that off to uh, our uh, my collaborators, uh, um, uh, Linda Harris and Michelle Danilock, for them to review. So I've been thinking a lot about hand washing, plus this upcoming um, uh, rule from FDA Cedar about antibacterial hand washes. And so just been th- – and, and, and Dane's whole PhD research is on hand washing. So I've been thinking a lot about that. But there's a lot – and and also uh, – um, um, conference for food protection, you know, a lot of hand washing stuff around that. Um, but um, a lot of that it doesn't seem to really have a scientific base, right? So we tell people when, we tell people right. how, but we don't. But we don't know. Those those are just like stuff that sounds good. I mean, the, the actual research base is, is is missing. Right, right, and and it's uh, in you know in certain cases it's become really just dogmatic because it it seems like the right thing to do, but not science based. Yeah. Hey, which reminds me, speaking of CFP, we, we have not talked since you were at CFP. Is that right? Or have uh, we? Yeah, no, I don't. I, we have not. We've not talked since I was at CFP. No, that's right. That didn't even go into, into follow up. No, because we uh, when did we record? I mean, it was. Yeah, because I, I was editing podcasts while, I was while you CFP. were there. Yeah. Um, right. So so CFP is it was was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I I texted you a couple of times while I was there and. Um, the word that I des- that I've used to describe it 
Uh, and this is the Conference for Food Protection, uh, for those who haven't listened to us uh, before. Uh, in, in, in previous episodes, uh, we talked a little bit about this, this process. Um, it, it was fascinating. And this, that, that is the, the best way for me to describe it. Um, it uh, here's the, the takeaways that I, that I got from it. It is uh, the, the rule making, and it's not really the rule making, it's the rule changing or the rule um, aden- uh, amendments uh, that, that can happen through the updates of the food code is as much about the process or maybe more about the process and how the science is presented than the science itself, which, was, which is good to know. Um, I, I sat in Council 3, which I think you've been a, a member of uh, in the past, um, and I, I was there uh, really for the full three days. I didn't wander into Council 1 or Council 2, and Council 3 is the science um, council. Um, there were 31 issues that were presented um, to, to Council 3, um, and, and as I sat there and, and listened and, and Googled and brought up papers while I was, while I was in the room, um, I thought that, um, that many of the issues that were presented were not presented well, weren't, weren't, the, there wasn't a, a good sort of science based and especially the ones that, that the council, um, recommended no action on. Um, it, it was that there were, there was better stuff or more, uh, more compelling arguments to be made, um, that were, that were missing. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm making a very general statement. I mean, I think there were some that were good, but, but that was my overall impression and which I thought was, oh, well, that's kind of a cool opportunity because I think I would have presented that differently. And I did, um, jump up a couple of times and, uh, got recognized to speak on a few things. One was on, uh, air dryers. Um, and which we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, and then also uh, an, another uh, bit on on hand washing, because um, I, I think about eight or ten of the issues were hand washing related. Um, but but I you know I, I, my my goal uh, to go you know with with CFP this year was just to kind of learn the system because we've got some some interesting stuff that uh, that I think belongs at CFP. Uh, in a couple of years around consumer advisories and and I, I, you know really just to to sit back and take it all in and it was um, it, like I said it was fascinating and i i um, I am definitely think that there is a, a place for me and and really i I sat there and thought on almost every issue there could be data there could be better data on that and that we could probably do it. <laughs> like there is, it was a, a really good, you know, idea generating um, situation. And I have one of my um, grad students, uh, Ellen Thomas, who uh, is working on our consumer advisory with Burger Project, which we'll talk about in a second because there's this big outbreak going on. Um, and uh, and I think she got uh, a lot out of it just seeing the process as well. It's uh, it's not like anything I had been to before. Um, and, uh, and I'm glad that it's once every two years because I think it would get, um, crazy if it was more than that, but, but it it was, it it was fascinating. It was really interesting. Yeah. I I would say, yeah, fascinating and not like anything else are two very good ways to describe 
the conference. So, um, yeah, and, and absolutely, it's an excellent idea generator, right? I mean, you look and you see what people are trying to do. You look at the science in support of that and you think, man, that is just some weak ass science, right? So yeah. I could, I could do better than that. And then lo and behold, I have, I mean, so, so absolutely either, either it gives you ideas for new science or it encourages you to say, wow, that thing I'm working on, I really need to make sure that that's ready for the next CFP because it really could inform this issue. So, Abs- yeah. yes, yeah, those uh, absolutely, and and I don't think without going and and participating, I really got grasped that. Um, the the other thing that's that's kind of surprising, and I know you'd mentioned this before, that um, and in fact, why you've encouraged me to to get involved is um, out of the four hundred plus attendee, attendees that were there. Um, I think there was like 10 or 12 that were self-identified as academics and, and really there were like six or seven that were active. Um, so, so there's this glut of, um, you know, need for people that, that do science in that impacts retail, um, you know, uh, and the, you know, the industries that are regulated by the food code, um, to to participate but then i kind of thought as i was sitting there i was like you know what maybe i don't want other people to come to this because we could really rule this whole world (laughs) well you know and i've i've heard early on in my career i heard a colleague of mine say that we are food science we are not food service and and there is even amongst Certainly among scientists, there's like, you know, physicists are the best because they study the most fundamental nature of reality. And then and then it's chemists, then it's biologists, then it's applied biologists like food scientists. Um, and then, oh, my God, if you're going to be a food scientist, at least you got to work with food processing companies. You right. don't want to work with restaurants. I mean, God, that's, that's just like yeah. small potatoes, right? But then you look and you see what the science that's in the food code and because it is so – Iterative, and because it, it engages all the constituencies, it really, I mean, it, it, the science has to be there. It has to have a practical application. It has to matter to the industry, and it has to be enforceable by the regulatory agencies, right? So, so it really is a very sweet spot. And 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 yeah, I, I'm of a similar mind. It would be great to have more academics involved, but on the other hand, um, you know, you and I can can be the the, the big fish in the small the small yeah. pond. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, uh, seriously, I think we just need to get more academics interested. But there's not. Not a lot of money to do to do research on this kind of thing, right? I mean, the 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 money that's available for food safety research right. is really driven by um, the the large outbreaks and the problems that relate to what's going on, you know, nationwide or, or worldwide. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not opportunities to do some really cool, useful, relevant research. Well, yeah, and and have I mean, as uh, so the the this hand dryer. Uh, issue. Let me let me tell you a little bit about that. Where I saw this kind of um, opportunity for impact. So someone presented um, uh, an issue saying we should strike the use of hand dryers as a uh, approved equipment for for washing hands. The hand dryers and 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 in fact, the issue said strike air blades, which I disagree with, and um, air hot air dryers, which I agree with. Um, and I agree with it because there's there's actually a, you know and I don't know I'm not sure if you and I have talked about this I know I've we I've written some stuff on Barf Blog and Doug and I have talked about it and I've talked with Pete Snyder about it there's some pretty decent um, science that came out of um, the UK because the back in the early mid 90s because they went through this same kind of um, question that showed um, hot air dryers can they they don't have the frictional 
um, impact that uh, a, a one-use towel or, or a towel has. You know, there's there's a one-log reduction potential by drying hands, um, and so so it's it's it removes a step. Plus, there's uh, potential for um, taking you know in um, taking some. Uh, some bacteria or viruses that are in that restroom and applying them to the hands. Like there's some, there's some stuff out there. And so the issue came up and um, the, the industry folks who are around the table were like, no, 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 this is, you know, they, they, and I say like grumbly, no, no, no. They, I mean, they well reasoned their, their arguments. And so I went to, to Brian Numer, who was sitting at the council, and I was like, Brian, I got, and I got my laptop open. I was like, there's some, there's some stuff here that, that I, I think I can, you know, um, add to this discussion. So I was like, can you, you know, see if you can get me recognized? And so they did, and I went up and spoke at the, at the microphone. And then one of the industry folks, because I, I cited a 1998 paper, and I was like, this has been pretty well known for a while. And the, one of the industry uh, representatives um, basically said, uh, Mr. Chairperson, are we really talking about a paper that was published in 1998? Can we just move on? <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn it. I need to know this system better. I need to to, to better – like I, I just kind of jumped up there and I was like, I need – not only could we generate more data, but there's got to be something. If I had more time to prepare for this, I would have been able to to, to reason this out a little better. Well, and, and you know, <clears throat> as far as I know, the rules of uh, biology and physics haven't changed since no. 1998. I, so it's not that the research is not relevant, right? It's, yep, exactly. it's what, how well was the experiment done? I don't care when it was published. Now, and, and who who cited it since then and how has the science evolved and et cetera. Yeah, and and in fact, speaking of again, this is obviously an issue. The the, the manuscript that uh, that that has just gone to my co-authors for for their review looks at uh, air drying, and by air drying, I mean not hot air drying, but just letting letting after you wash your hands, letting your hand you know stand there in the air and dry versus. The, quantifying the removal by paper towels. And again, we, Dane has collected some great research looking at that, which again is relatively un, an untapped area for research. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I look forward to you and I um, maybe presenting some stuff at CFP on that next, next, next time around in, Boi, in Boise. Boise. In Boise. I'm looking at that Boise. right now. I'm putting that on my calendar, April 16 to 20 in Boise, Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, which is a lovely city, by the way. I went there to speak to their Idaho affiliate um, uh, recently, and, and it's a very – uh, it's a it's a very cool, very nice city. I enjoyed it very much. Cool. I'm I'm gonna be there. I'm uh, you know as as I kind of um, evaluate the where where I'm at career wise and what I'm doing. It was it was really nice that this that CFP came along at a time where I was like, you know what, I I really could um, spend uh, you know a lot of you know the next uh, eight or ten years doing doing some stuff that that would really impact things. Oh, that, I mean that was the the piece that I sorry to to come back to this, but um, this is the impact is like. If you, you know, you really could, if if all goes well and it makes it through the council and it makes it through the delegates, the state delegates that vote on what the council's recommending, it gets to um, to FDA. I mean, there's lots of different steps, but you, you really could be involved in removing hand dryers from all, you know, restrooms in 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 restaurants in the U.S. Like, tell me something that has more impact than that. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. it's it's a big deal, right? Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was uh, I was pretty jazzed, and I, I thank you and and the others for um, encouraging me to go. Uh, uh, Rich Linton had, had mentioned a, a few times in the last year. They said you got to get involved with CFP. And a shout out um, to um, Dr. Deep Freeze, 
um, <laughs> who, uh, who, who was my self-appointed uh, navigator. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So she helped me uh, through the whole thing um, as Very well. Good. It, was, it, it was extremely interesting, and I think that um, I, it, I, I definitely see a, a role there. Fantastic. Yeah, it was cool. So, yeah, so CFP, we got some other follow-up. You know what we don't have, Don? <laughs> what don't we have, Ben? We anything to talk about? No, we got something to oh, talk about. Okay. But we don't have anything to talk about for Outbreak Flashback. Well, you know, do you, uh, you are, should, we yeah. should... I have done. I have done. I mean, you you texted me that, you know, that I, I did all the preparation. You were doing it last minute. All the preparation was finding two things. One from like weeks ago. So I, I've really done. Uh, I have been just like you. I have been traveling. Uh, while I wasn't at CFP this year because I was at the IAFP uh, European meeting in Budapest, and then I was at the UK uh, affiliate meeting in Cardiff, Wales, and then that that is very likely not not 100% likely that where the uh European meeting is going to be in 2015 and then uh I was at ASM in Boston and then I was in Des Moines so I have really I'm the good news is that as of yesterday when I went to bed I had no emails in my inbox and everything was under control but um now I, of course my inbox is overflowing and I didn't prepare for the podcast so we have no outbreak flashback we is have what no we're outbreak, to say. No. yeah we're going to we're going to uh, as they say in the uh, corporate world we're gonna put a pin in that and I'll, I'll break should we should we put it in the parking lot let's then? put that in the parking lot um we'll come back to that uh during our strategic planning uh and <laughs> our and our and our retreat yes <laughs> yes exactly but we do have some more follow-up let's uh, do it um okay so i'm going to start with something that that is a little bit of food safety talk and it's a little bit of barf blog but i thought you would um that i wanted to tell you about and it's super cool um so a couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, wrote a barf blog post about um, uh, Campylobacter at uh, mud runs, and uh, I, I made this kind of offhand comment um, in uh, in a barf blog post of um, this. I'll, I will read you this uh, word for word. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I agreed to run a tough mudder with a couple of hockey buddies. The one I'd said uh, I said I'd do is in Charlotte this fall, and I'm reconsidering. CDC's MMWR, and then in parentheses I write, my favorite Thursday read has details of an outbreak of Campylobacter associated with a 2012 Nevada mud run. According to Ziegler and colleagues, the epidemiological data suggested that the inadvertent swallowing of surface waters one of the, in one of the obstacles was a risk factor. And then I um, you know, cut and paste. Uh, some choice words from the MMWR post. So that that was on May 1st. On May 5th, um, I arrive uh, in my office. No, that's not true. In May May 8th, I arrive in my office as I, when I got home from uh, CFP, and there's this little box um, from CDC in my office. And uh, I open up the box, and there's a, a letter in it and also a mug. And I want to read the letter. Um, and it says, Dear Professor Chapman, I saw today that you mentioned MMWR Weekly as your, quote, favorite Thursday read. And I thought as a loyal reader, you might like to have a souvenir MMWR coffee mug. Normally, I only send these to corresponding authors, but we are fans of Barf Blog. Sincerely, John Moran, um, who has multiple uh, letters after his name, MD, MPH, FACPM, Captain, U.S. Public Health Service. And he's the editor of MMWR Weekly. Oh, that's swell. It was that ridiculous. So awesome. It was so swell. It, so so why I'm talking about it here is um, 
that on on May ninth, uh, I sent him a food safety talk T-shirt and said, um, "Thanks so much for being a fan of of Barf Blog. Uh, you might be aware of this podcast that I do with Don Schaffner, and here's a here's a T-shirt for you." Oh, excellent! <laughs> so excellent. Uh, it was pretty cool. I was I, I was. Um, it, it, you know, just like when we get feedback on the website, this, I mean, this really is a call out to our listeners who, 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 um, who listen and, and lurk. When we get feedback, it's really, it's really, really nice. It's very cool. Even when it's not nice feedback, it's still really nice because people, you know, are listening and, and we're, um, uh, you know, evoking some emotion or, or not uh, in them. But, but when someone's kind of moved to write a, a comment, it's, it's really cool. It makes, you know, it's just like the dentist. It, it makes me think, <laughs> damn, I love this job. <laughs> so, well, just to be fair, it's like my dentist today. Fair enough. It's not like the dentist generally, right? <laughs> um, just like the Ohio State University, I think your dentist is the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> well, he certainly is the dentist to me. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so speaking oh, of I, which, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to go into another follow up on fan mm-hmm. mail. Uh, <laughs> Good, me too. I was uh, going to go right there. Okay, so um, we uh, uh, received. Well, um, Don Don gets all the uh, the um, comments that are posted at foodsafetytalk.com, and um, we we also received something that was, I think, pretty much directed at me. Well, as it as it starts with Dr. Chapman, <laughs> yeah. I think it is directed at you. And and I should say, if there was some way we could set up Squarespace so it would send messages to both of us, I would just do that. But because it doesn't, then it's just incumbent upon me to share them with Ben. But anyway, so Ben, speaking of feedback, especially of the negative kind, Ben got some feedback, which I think is of the negative kind. I can't tell. I, I can't I, tell either. I think it's kind of awesome, but I don't know. Um, so it says... This is, and it's a bit of a stream of consciousness, and it's from Bob Gates, who might be related to Bill Gates. Uh, you know what? I think it really is Bill Gates. It could be from uh, Bill Gates, and, and I think it's he's just trolling us just what? to to see how we respond because you know they have a lot. I think I think it's I think it's he's just he just wants to see how we respond because he may just like fund the podcast with this Bill and Melinda Gates money. What That's do you think? cool. Hey, we'll take it. we'll take it. So we'll re- <laughs> I'm going to read it. He says share all details freely, so we will share them. Um, quote. Whenever I cook with my dishwasher, I send it to 166 Fahrenheit for that extra degree of safety. I so like that. I guess that's a reference to this goes to 11, right? <laughs> I think is so. That, is that what that is? I don't know. It's good. It's good. Um, so he's, he's, going, he's going above and beyond. It may not do anything, but uh, it's, it's good. And I'm glad that he's cooking with his dishwasher. Um, the next line is, disco sucks and so does your intro. Neil is likely to kick you out of the Canadian club. Better flashback is the Jimi Hendrix purple haze-ish type guitar licks, which you do so well. So, so Bob has been a listener for a while because uh, the uh, purple haze-ish guitar licks uh, go back to um, back to, to bug trivia and, and history of IAFP. Um, out, the outbreak flashback was a good choice. I was going to propose uh, food safety trivia on this day in uh, 1899. The antimicrobial properties of quat was discovered. But Outbreak is much more interesting. Please include the Florida tomato recall in a future episode. Noted. Thank you, Bob Gates. Um, his next line is, I think, a question for, for Bill Marler because it is, does Bill Marler eat cantaloupe? 
then uh, into the next. And, and I, you know, and maybe it's just a rhetorical question. Does Bill Marlory can if a tree falls in the forest? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Bill, Bill, if you're listening, let us know if you eat cantaloupe. I, I suspect he probably does, but I also suspect that he probably buys it himself and cuts it himself and eats it quickly. I, he was the one that shared with us, right, uh, when he was a guest on the podcast, that a preponderance if not all of his cases, especially the mortality cases, were people that had bought sliced cantaloupe from the store. Or eaten which, it at food service. Exactly. Which just, where someone else which prepared. just scares the heck out of me. Yep. You know? That's that's what I, I don't I'm not afraid of cantaloupe. I am really afraid of sliced cantaloupe that somebody else has held. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'm a control freak, apparently. Well, yeah. I should be an airline pilot. What you exactly. <laughs> or we need cantaloupe slicers to be an airline pilot esque. Uh <laughs> Bob's final question, finally, a question. Uh, I subscribe to FDA, USDA notifications, visit CDC, BarfBlog, FoodNet, and other sites, but there are still, uh, but still there are other recalls I'm not aware of. Are there other sources I should be using? During a recent GFSI audit, I discovered one of the company's suppliers was involved in a recall, but I didn't see a public notice about it. Thanks. Hey, this is, um, so I, I didn't, I mean, being kind of tongue-in-cheek, I think, uh, that I agree with uh, um, the Bob, uh, to, with Bob on disco. Disco sucks. Does uh, disco does suck? I'm not sure if my intro sucks or not. It's not great though. But this is a really good question. No, um, the, the, in the, he's not dissing us. He's dissing Neil Young. Dis- well, that's true. That's good and that's and that's uh, and that's that's just not right. You can't do that. So he, he's not allowed to listen anymore. But it, maybe I think he's talking about my intro to Outbreak Flashback. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. So well, I think it's I, me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then that's okay. I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> also, there's it's you know. Hey, here's the thing. If you don't like it, Bob or Bill or whatever your name is, um, make a better one. Yeah. Okay. Make a better intro. Get off your butt. Do some actual work. Make a better <laughs> intro and send it to us, and we'll use it. We will use it every so put time. Put up or shut up. Yeah. Nice, nice, Don. Don's fiery. I'm this no, this Novocaine, so angry. A, yeah, it's starting to wear off, but I'm, I'm, I'm angry. It's yeah, hot. There, there's... <laughs> but uh-huh. you're hot. I like it. <laughs> um, Bob, Don's. I don't even think joking. I mean, if you have a, an intro, we will put it in. And if you just want to record it with your iPhone um, or other device that you have, and send us an MP3 to our email address, we will use it. And here, here's – by the way, here's a great quote that's relevant. I, I, I love quotes and have a large database of quotes. Uh, I've, I've slowed down because I think I found all the good quotes, but occasionally I find a good one. And this one's from Alan Moore. Do you know who Alan Moore is? Uh, nope. A uh, guy that created the Watchmen comic book, right? Oh, comic yes. artist, yeah. scary-looking dude with long hair and a beard. Um, but here's the—it's from a longer piece, which we can link to. But here's the quote: um, "If the audience knew what they needed, they wouldn't be the audience; they'd be the artists." Ooh! Bam! Ouch! <laughs> that is pretty. That's—I like that. Yeah, I do too. That's why I, I grabbed it and I saved it. Um, hey, so can I tell you something that uh, that Bob? We'll get Bob. We will get to your question in a second. But there was something that <laughs> oh, did he have a question? He did. He did. We'll get it. We'll get to. Does Bill Marley cantaloupe? Oh, no, no. There's another question. Uh, so, so Bob Bob wrote disco sucks, and so does your intro. So that I don't know if that's homage or anything, but there is a Rio Static song called Legal Age Life. 
Uh-huh. That, and because you and I traded um, – well, I sent you a bunch of Rush lyrics this morning. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I started it. Yes, you did. You started it. But um, let, me, let me read you the Legal Age Life at the Variety Store song. Legal Age Life at the Variety Store. These are the things that make me roar. Disco sucks and so does war. The meek shall inherit the earth no more. It's poetic. Nice. It's poetic. Nice. But every time I see Disco Sucks, I think Disco Sucks and so does war. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I, I at the time disco came. I think it was. I can't remember whether it was a a disco place. I think it was a disco place that became a video game place in College Town um, in Ithaca when I was when I was in in high school. And I think that's what it was. I think it was a disco place, and then it became uh, became a, a video arcade place. And of course, it was very cool to hate disco at the time. But since since then, and since having uh, watched the movie Mystery Men, which features a lot of uh, disco songs, I there are disco songs that even though I hated them at the time, they are part of my consciousness and part of my growing up. And maybe I'm listening to them ironically, I don't know, but, but I, uh, I kind of like the occasional disco song. Excellent. Mystery There, I've said it. Do I know? I'm not going to harass you for this. Mystery Men, <laughs> I don't know that song. Oh, I know that movie. I Mystery Moon. Yeah. Mystery, I've not seen that movie. Oh, you should. It's your homework. But, okay. Is it on Netflix? It's got to be. This uh, looks like it's got to be. I think so. I watched it recently. It's, it's, in, it's in iTunes. You can probably rent it in iTunes. It's got, uh, uh, Planet Claire. Oh, No More Heroes by the Violent Femmes. I know that song. Yeah. Um, you know the... Uh, um, it's only got six out of ten on IMDb. Those people are idiots. Um, what? So disco? Yes. <laughs> well, it's it is. It's the internet, Don. <laughs> it's where people. It's where people go to to confirm their theories. Uh, um, uh, what is it? Is it shattered? There's a disco esque Stone song that I love. Oh yeah. Um, well, they were, yeah, I mean, they were making music all during that time, so of course they're going to be influenced by the the music of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reading um, Keith Richards' biography, Life. Oh, how is that? It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good. I, so I, I'm a sucker for rock and roll books and and biographies, and uh, I, you know, uh, there's no secret that I'm, uh, you know, this massive Neil Young fan, and and you're a Neil Young fan, and Doug is, and we share a lot of stuff back and forth around Neil. Neil wrote um, an autobiography, which was horrible, <laughs> that that I didn't even finish because it just it wasn't even, I don't know, it was, it was not very good. Well, I think I think that the key to Keith Richards' uh, autobiography is that somebody else wrote it. Like, right. he, he, he talked, somebody else typed, and then somebody else made it into a coherent narrative. Yes, yeah, and, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, so anyway, it made me, I've been listening to a lot of stones because of that. Um, uh, what is it? Miss you. Miss you is the, the disco esque stone song. <laughs> this is, this is fascinating podcast. This is why people tune in. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm just typing and there, there it is. Do, 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 There's, you know what? That's the new intro for outbreak flashback. <laughs> miss you by Bob's going to do it. Bob, if you can just do a, a a intro of the the intro of Miss You by the Rolling Stones, that will become the intro for all of our outbreak flashbacks. Do 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 something like that. 
You, so, you know, you know, you know what, you know what music we need to have on the on the podcast today, though. Um, no. What? <laughs> Sorry, that was enough so that you, you probably won't get sued. Uh, but uh, do you know what that was? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, you, you must not know Morse code. I no, I don't. I'm I'm not. I, I'm not ninety. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, no, I don't know Morse code. What well, was if you that? knew if you knew Morse code, you would recognize that 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 guy playing the drums there was playing Morse code for Y Y Z. Oh my gosh! <laughs> did you know that about that song? I did not know that about the song. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, you and you are on your way to Y Y Z today. I I am I am I'm, so for the listeners who are just now catching up. So that was uh, that was uh, the song Y Y Z by Rush. Uh, again, this is referencing an earlier text conversation which as far as we know unless you're the nsa <laughs> between a uh, text conversation between me and ben that you were probably not listening to um uh so i'm flying to toronto today where we're going to see our, our friends uh, gordon and andrew uh gordon who is not listening to the podcast but still wants to be a guest i believe yes <laughs> um uh who live in toronto and uh which the airport code is yyz and of course uh, the canadian band and in toronto that's in canada right uh there's a, a, a band called rush also from canada who have a song called YYZ. They're from the Toronto area, and we'll link to the Wikipedia article on this, which I was just looking at today. So um, they uh, they always liked it when uh, they could see YYZ on their plane ticket, you know, because they knew they were going home. And so they wrote a song about that. And um, the, that beat you hear at the beginning of that song is uh, Neil Pert, who's the the drummer of Rush, beating out the Morse code for YYZ, um, uh, uh, which is again the, the the intro to this instrumental song. So anyway, Brilliant. now I think you're all caught up. I, yes, yes, good. <laughs> also, when you said Morse code, I thought, <laughs> is that Morris Day of Morris Day in the Times? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what that is. Morris the time, code. the time, not the Times. Sure, whatever. <laughs> and the man who holds high places. That's my Getty Lee. Uh, good, it. good. <laughs> Closer to the heart. Okay, I think this is devolving, isn't it? Yeah, what we usually we do this, this, this crazy music thing in the middle, uh, in the beginning of the yeah. show, and now it's in the middle. Oh, man. Okay, so coming back to follow up, Bob does have this question about <laughs> recalls and where you can find them and. That, so I do want to address this. <laughs> so I have to. I have to ask though, if if there are recalls that he is not aware of, how does he know that? Well, that he's again, not aware of them. He's not aware of them. Oh, it's true. He maybe, I guess he wasn't involved. Wasn't aware. And now well, he is. no, any kind. I mean, I'm making. I know. Fun I'm of joking. Him. But 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 it does it does come to the last sentence. He discovered one of the company's suppliers was involved in a recall, but he didn't see a public notice about it. And I guess that raises an interesting question. Are there recalls like, for example, uh, if a company supplier is involved in a recall and this is not product that is sold to the general public, then I don't I don't think that that information is necessarily public. Right. I mean, and I if somebody who's listening knows this better than us. Please let us know. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, all the recalls I hear about are consumer facing. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, there's the, so I, I this becomes like a a definition situation too. I think in that case, it's a product withdrawal, withdrawal, right? Which is not a recall. I think a recall is always public facing. 
Um, and it could be business to business stuff. Um, but, uh, but a product withdrawal can go on and, and, and a, a, a food company or an ingredient company or a supplier, um, could absolutely do that without, you know, without informing FDA as far as, as far as I know, especially if they, um, you know, depending on what the reason was for it, you know, if it was mislabeling or, or something, if it was one, you know, a, a, a class three, um, you know, high risk one, it's, it's a little different, but, but this, this, I mean, to, to get all like serious food safety talk podcasty on this, um, this is one of the, um, this goes back a, a few years ago and, it, and it's about going public with information and when to go public and what information to share and what businesses might want to know. Um, so there's this, uh, outbreak or actually it may have been may not have been an outbreak but but there was a recall at least for um some salmonella um uh contaminated soy lecithin that hershey's used in canada back in uh we'll we'll find this for um for show notes but uh, you know let's say it was 2004 2003 some somewhere around there and um so there was uh you know um Hershey's had a, had recalled their product because of this salmonella issue. Um, they then said the reason why they had the salmonella issue is because of the soy lecithin. So that, in my mind, is, well, now you have a supplier that has an issue. But there was no soy lecithin that was ever recalled. So there, so, so that, that information, I mean, to, to Bob's point here, I think stuff like that probably does go on a lot more than, um, than we take notice of. Um, and that, that our colleagues in the industry probably know more about it. But, but to me, that kind of information, it's, it's, it is important that it gets at least to people who are the buyers of that soy lecithin. Whether that's done publicly or not, I'd prefer it to be done publicly, but I would hope that they just know and can make decisions. So I would want to know if I was using the same supplier as Hershey's in that soy lecithin situation. And, I mean, we can substitute other ingredients and incidents. I'm sure we could find three or four others where this has happened um, as well. Um, but I, I think we're getting to a point where those ingredient, um, outbreaks or recalls are becoming more, more public because, because we're seeing more of it. But I don't know if that means, you know, if we're only seeing just a, a handful of them or if we're seeing all of them. Well, and, you know, and there's a couple of things here that I want to comment on. So one is the reportable food registry, right? So the reportable food registry, I think, is generating a lot of this, which and, and my my and again, I'm not an expert on the reportable food registry. But the idea here is this is a um, uh, a way for people to keep up with when these things happen so that if you if you receive an ingredient from a supplier and that ingredient tests positive for a pathogen that gets entered into the reportable food registry and so the idea is then that that goes up and then down the chain so that everybody else is aware um, but also while you were talking I did a little bit of googling on um, market withdrawal and there's I'm link going to link to something from uh, the FDA log law blog uh, which I have not heard of before. It's from uh, Hyman, Phelps, and McNamara, which I think is a law firm that I've been at um, working with a company on this uh, antibacterial soap thing. I think that that's the same company. Um, but it, it, the, the, the t- it's a, a blog post from October 2013, and the title of the blog post is Did FDA Shed Light on the Meaning of Market Withdrawal in the Updated RPM? Um, uh, where uh, RPM is the regulatory uh, uh, procedures manual 
which is something that FDA uses for its own purposes. And the, the and then the headline goes on. Unfortunately, no. Right. So apparently this what is a market withdrawal and what is a recall is, at least according to this blog post, but which is by a per, uh, several people at this law firm who I, uh, I'm going to assume know what they're talking about, um, that it's it's that's actually a little bit murky. Right. Huh. So so the, the, it, there's there's a good reason why we're confused or at least there is at least one good reason why we should be confused. And that is that it is confusing. And and at least according to this blog post, uh, FDA has not clarified it when it, even though they they went and they they revised their regulatory procedures manual so hmm. anyway well it's good the, as, as you were talking i was uh sort of noodling through the um the annual report for the reportable food registry which just came out um this month uh on fda's uh website and it's kind of interesting I, I i glanced over this when it when it was published earlier this month but then as you know th- there are um on you know on page 10 of this report you can see the summary of the types of commodities that are reporting um, contamination into the R, in, into the RFR, and it's about you know it's been pretty consistent in the four years that this has been going on. There's you know it, on the low end in this year 202, the high end uh, in the first year was 229. So there's a couple hundred um, you know a year, and and it looks like um, you know it's it's in Produce um, is is up there, uh, both uh, fresh cut and raw agriculture commodity. Dairy is has been fairly consistent high. Bakery, um, so it's it's kind of interesting to go through this. So so I guess, um, but what what is kind of missing that doesn't address Bob's question is okay. So we have the reportable food registry, and that may lead to a recall. But we don't have the business names that are associated with it, which is really what someone could make a decision on. You know, if, especially if we, the more we, we get into the, the whole world of preventive controls and hazards reasonably likely to occur and having some su- supplier control, I probably do want to know if um, a company that I am uh, buying from has had problems in the past. And, and maybe I'm going to still buy from them, but I want to know that they've uh, address those issues. It gives me a little piece of information to um, to have a conversation with them, especially if they're one of the larger or have a you know, large market share uh, of whatever that ingredient or product is. Um, well, and you know, one of the things that I heard um, after the Peanut Corporation of America recall or and and outbreak um, was that some people knew that these guys were bad actors and just stopped buying from them. But obviously, that was not common knowledge because there were still people buying from them. So, you know, it would benefit. It's again so one of these sort of tragedy of the commons, right? Nobody, nobody, re, everybody, everybody really wants this information. But nobody really wants to have to fess up if they screw up, right? I mean, I think it would benefit everybody if that information were available so that you could evaluate suppliers. But on the other hand, if you're a supplier, boy, you just you really don't want to be sharing that information, or at least the lawyers in your company really don't want you to be sharing that information, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's the you know that that's how we're going to help people make better decisions. Um, Absolutely. You just don't want to be the one. I, yeah, I agree with you. This, this actually, so I, there's a, something I wanted to talk to you about that didn't go and make it into the news. That is a little bit of follow up that that we have a nice natural segue to here. Um, there was a um, 
uh, perfringens outbreak uh, uh, about a week and a half ago uh, at a wedding. Um, actually, the, the outbreak happened um, uh, back in April, but the report came out on it uh, in um, uh, May 15th. And I wrote about this on Barf Blogs, and, or Barf Blogs. Who's, who, I sound like someone who doesn't even know what, I, what we created. Barf Blog. Um, so this outbreak uh, um, uh, occurred in uh, Sullivan, Missouri, and according to the E-Missourian, about 300 people got um, Clostridium perfringens poisoning from gravy served at a wedding reception held at the Eagles Hall in Sullivan, Missouri. And the Eagles Hall is not the Eagles, like uh, uh, Hotel California. Joe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Right, right. Don Henley, Joe Walsh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I wrote a little bit about it, and um, the most interesting part to me about this outbreak was um, that health officials inspected the catering facility, and um, uh, a guy uh, who's uh, representing is the epidemiolo- epidemiology specialist with the Franklin County Health Department, his name is Tony Buell, um, said that they investigated, um, and the facility was clean. Um, the uh, pro- he, Buell was quoted as saying that the problem occurred when it took too long to cool the gravy down. That can cause bacterial growth and put toxins into food, he added. But, so, but he said, oh, but the facility was clean. Um, the caterer held um, another event on the same day and no food poisoning happened, probably because, well, I assume maybe there was either no gravy or it was from a different batch if there was gravy. Um, and the caterer was not penalized but was educated about the proper uh, cooking process. Um, and so I just wrote, maybe they should focus on c- cooling and hot holding. Um, you know, the, to me, and but also, um, you know, so, so clearly something went wrong, something happened. But the part that stuck out for me was this, that Buell said he did not want to release the name of the caterer because it could harm the business. And I, that pisses me off. Um, because and what I wrote here was, I guess the risk of hurting a business that doesn't know how to handle foods for a large crowd outweighs other event planners making an informed choice. If I was organizing a banquet or a wedding, I'd want to know whether the caterer made 300 people sick before I hired them. I mean, that, so the, this, I mean, really all does come down to, um, to Bob's question. It's something happens. Someone has some information. I want my hands on that information so I can make a better decision. And maybe I'm still going to go with them, but not and especially in the when it's in the public sector not naming that company is maddening to me just it's crazy i wrote yeah and and, and uh, yeah and i saw i read your your post on barf blog and i uh uh you know at least mentally i was like yes that's exactly right i don't know if i if i retweeted it on 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 twitter or what i did i didn't leave a comment i just was looking i didn't leave a comment on the on the blog post but yeah i mean it's you're exactly right. This is this is idiocy. This is public dollars paying the salaries of these people. And yeah, sure, it would be a shame to hurt the business. But you know, the business screwed up. Yeah. Right. It would be one thing if you named a business that didn't cause an outbreak, and then you you hurt that business because that's not right. Right. But it was clear that this company caused an outbreak, and they should be they should be named. You know, absolutely. This it's just a no brainer. How can we? You know, and again, this is public dollars paying this information for for paying this person's salary. It's yeah, it's maddening. I I agree. Uh, it's it's crazy um, to me, and and the fact that the way that it's it's even downplayed in the in the interview, and I and I hate. I mean, I don't like calling out public health folks at all because I think they're continuously understaffed and budgets are cut and 
and I, their job is not easy. They're they're asked to do a lot of different things, like inspect pools and inspect restaurants and investigate outbreaks and make sure that um, you know the city councilor's bread bin is clean at this grocery store. I mean, it's it's just a, a highly politicized um, situation. But in this case, man, I just can't and I can't believe saying, well, you know what, the facility looked good and everything was clean there. And yep, it was pretty clear that they didn't know how to cool it, but we're not going to penalize them for it. And we're not going to name them. I'm like, damn it. Don't, why are you protecting people? So anyway, I wrote, I'm at the end of that, but I'm a bit of a weirdo. And I received a message back from some anonymous email ad, uh, website or anonymous email address that said, um, yeah, you're a bit of a weirdo and a bit of an idiot. So, so I did like that as well. That someone um, it looked like in Missouri uh, at a health department thought that it was wrong that we called them out. But I, I just I mean, well, that's 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 very constructive feedback. So I guess from from that message, you should be less weird and you should be more smart. Yeah, less of an idiot. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's yeah, that's very that's very that's very well constructed and reasoned argument. You jerk. <laughs> Was, Email me. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I dare you. Um, you feel lucky today, punk? <laughs> well, I'm sure that. I, I'm sorry, Ben. The, uh, the Novocaine is wearing off and I am feisty. It's awesome. You are you are hot today. I Look look out, people in line at TSA. <laughs> look out. Oh, don't even, don't even get me started. Why, 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 why? I am TSA pre. Why is my wife not TSA pre? I have applied put the paperwork in she's global entry oh it's so angry you know you know i can't get tsa pre yet until well, you're a, canadian yeah until i have a cre- green card yeah well that's that's only right ben i agree goddamn canadian too many of you as it is exactly <laughs> just we'll want we'll want the vote someday <laughs> <laughs> oh god help uh, us oh uh, <laughs> So, anyway, a little bit, of, a little bit of feedback there. Just, just to be fair, I love all our Canadian listeners. I just that jerk in Missouri is the one who's got me angry. No, it's, it was crazy, and I just this. It makes me. It reminds me of uh, the issue that we talked about a while ago. I think it was in the Brazos Health Department in Texas, like where Texas A and M is, where the guy, you know, there was an E. coli outbreak, and it was with a restaurant and. The someone from the health department like had a press conference where yeah and ate a, ate a taco ate, right ate a taco yeah. same, like, same thing oh, yeah I'm gonna go down to that business right now because there's nothing wrong with them and like like there's a kid and who's got HUS like you dick just, yeah no it's just it's yeah it's like uh, yeah you got you have to strike a balance right you have to strike a balance but but that is that that in my mind is clearly on the wrong side of the balance yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, the the food company is not evil. They might be stupid no, or they might yeah. be misinformed. They're not they didn't they didn't make give the kid HUS on purpose, right? But but they they were negligent and they did something wrong and uh, yeah, just ugh. I, and you know, I, I think when you know, we talked to um to Marler on that the podcast, I think he you know, he's got a different motivation for for naming names and and it's and and I you know, I see the um, let people know, or it's a penalty to make that public. But, but for me, I, you know, I always err on someone might make a different decision, like, like a public health choice. And you got a piece of information that they don't. 
and you're holding that back to protect that business. And, and I don't want my, I don't want to take my, you know, five-year-old kid to the burrito place because I'm not, I don't, I'm not confident they can handle, um, food safety. So tell me who it is. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, look at me. I didn't even have Novocaine. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of, speaking of Marler and we should probably wrap this up soon. Yes, we should. But, yeah. but speaking of Marler, there was a, there was a very nice, uh, blog post I saw on David Atchison's blog, um, uh, talking about the Walmart settlement in, um, uh, in, in this, uh, cantaloupe outbreak, um, and the headline, you, is it okay we talk about this? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then and then I I probably got to go because I got I got to pack and do stuff so we can I can go to Y Y Z. Cue the cue the rush song again. Um, so the the headline of the blog post says Walmart sets set Walmart settlement sets precedent for retailer responsibility. Uh, and then again, uh, David and uh, his colleague uh, Melanie Newman write, uh, "What exactly is the retailer's responsibility?" We asked this question last June when lawsuits began to be filed against retailers for the uh, 2011 Jensen Farms cantaloupe listeria outbreak. Last week, with Walmart's announcement it had settled on 23 cases filed against it, we got an answer. Okay, although the answer is based on the retailer stepping up to take responsibility before the question went to court. Hey, you know, no surprise there. Attorney Bill Marler, who filed against Walmart on behalf of the outbreak uh, victim families, has filed 43 additional retail cases, including 30 against Kroger or Kroger banners. Uh, cases are based on the assertion the retailer takes on the status and therefore the responsibility of manufacturers in cases such as this. And again, they, they, they uh, mention another uh, post again from the Atchison blog. So um, we don't know if the other cases will be settled out of court, if they'll be taken to a jury, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I think this is I think this is real interesting. And and first of all, I think uh, good for good for Walmart for actually you know doing the right thing here and and uh, and and stepping up. I, I think that's absolutely the right thing. It is precedent setting, and maybe <clears throat> some of the other chains that now the precedent has been set, maybe they're not so happy with Walmart. Um, but on the other hand, I, you know, I think it makes, it makes perfect sense. There is some responsibility there. And of course we don't know the, the details of it, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think this is overall, this is a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I think this, I, I enjoyed this, uh, this article um, uh, from David and, and Melanie, because they really kind of delve into what, a retailer can do to protect themselves from this, this kind of thing in, in, you know, in the future, as this goes forward with this, with this new precedent and, and kudos to, to Walmart. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know how much they were forced into this from, um, from it, but, but doing, as you said, doing the right thing and settling on this and saying, look, we, as a retailer, we are the key between the consumer and that producer or that, um, processor, and we we've got to take some responsibility if we made this available for sale. Um, it, it's you know it, it changes um, the the flavor of things like supplier agreements and auditing and uh, which is which we've talked about a bunch on this uh, on this podcast that that this it's it's a good time to have that conversation to say how do we strengthen um, this whole uh, this whole system. Um, the, I, I wanted to highlight one of the, um, the passages from this post, um, saying that perhaps the most important retailers and food service providers need to understand they are themselves now at risk of being sued, even when all they did was pass a product through the, from the supply chain to the consumer. 
This clearly begs the question of what retailers can do to protect themselves. Um, and uh, the comment is, I see this as partly understanding and tr- controlling supply chain risks and partly ensuring contracts are solid with their suppliers. Um, and that, that that's, I mean, this isn't, um, it isn't new. I mean, I, I've been writing about that. Um, you and I have been talking about it. Doug's been writing about it for a, for a long time. But here we now have an example of the the legal system at least recognizing that they're going to hold a retailer responsible for this or or the threat of that and then leading to a, a settlement. I, I agree. I think that there will be um, some other retailers that think that Walmart backed down, but I don't I don't know what else they could have done because – Well, and yeah. – Yeah, and sorry to cut you off. Um, and I, I disagree a little bit with the phrase just passing through, right? Because it's not like – right the retail chain is just this passive conduit, right? They are setting standards. They are selecting suppliers. They are auditing suppliers, right? Yep. And all of those things they are doing on behalf of their customers. And if they screw up with that, if they have low standards or if they have stupid standards that lead to outbreaks, that's not the farmer's fault, right? They right. were they were adhering to Walmart standards. And we've talked about this before with the Jensen Farms outbreak. There are standards for appearance and quality for cantaloupes. And part of what caused the problem, well, part of what we believe caused the problem at Jensen Farms was they had to wash these cantaloupes to meet the retail standards. And through virtue of washing that in a system that was not well designed, um, they cross massively cross contaminated with listeria. So, if the the stand if the cantaloupe standard has had been, do not wash with water, clean. You know, we'll accept muddy cantaloupes or cantaloupes need to be dried and and air cleaned you know if if those those standards were set in place by the retailer and those standards may have contributed to the outbreak so i you know i i i would quibble with again with uh david's choice of just a pass-through it's not it's not just a pass-through it's a pass-through with standards with conditions that impact food safety as it goes to the consumer yeah yeah no I, i i agree i think that's a that's a good point um, David and, um, and Melanie also highlight the, here's the, the conundrum of it is, um, it, this, this precedent says it, as a retailer, you're going to have to do more to make sure that your suppliers are either following the standards you set or following some standard, but no one's got a, got the resources to visit every supplier. And, um, so they suggest that perhaps the smart thing to do is re- is to reduce risk, not remove risk, is to spend supply chain risk control resources that you do have on those suppliers that are the greatest risk. So so for um, you know for for these these retailers that could be a lot of them uh, because they you know the, there is um, quite a few high risk type products um, that they're uh, that they're sur- that they purchase and then and then resell, but. Um, but but a good I mean this this goes back to um, the concept of uh, of food safety culture and part of that is is supplier controls and having a, a system in place that get, that 
as best as you can gets to what is it that that supplier is doing. I mean, having them pass a GFSI audit, great. What does that mean? Where were their – how do you use that audit? Um, what, what were the um, – uh, what were points lost for or what were some of the inadequacies that were seen? Were those high-risk things, even though they still may have attained a high score? Um, it's, this is, uh, you know, to hear a retailer say, well, we don't have really enough time to do that, it may cause, uh, as, as Atchison um, and, uh, and Newman suggest, that, that, that prices may go up, but which, which probably is not um, – it wouldn't make the the retail world happy, but but you you know th- this sort of says that if if you don't do something more, you don't um, follow up on on these uh, these standards and, and the implementation that and something happens, you're on the hook, retailer. Um, yeah, and you know this whole issue of standards, especially standards for fresh produce, is an interesting one. Um, Michelle and I are on a grant, uh, a specialty crops research uh, grant uh, led by Bob Buchanan at University of Maryland, which has been going on for three years, and, and we'll hopefully get an extension for another two years. But looking at this issue of how do you set science-based standards, and, and the short answer is it's complicated, right? Um, uh, because there are differences in agriculture from different states, um, but you know, if, but we got to do it, right? So, so how do we do it? How do we design those experiments? How do we verify and validate those results? Um, it's, uh, it's not an easy problem and we're going to make mistakes and, you know, we just need to sort of figure out those mistakes when we make them and, and try to do better the next time, et cetera. So, but it's a, you know, it's a really, it's quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting area. And and I think, you know, by no means are, are all the problems solved. There's still lots of, uh, lots of good work that needs to be done. Absolutely. Well, hey, I think that's probably a show. Think so. Um, happy uh, to uh, to catch up with you today. <laughs> that sounded weird, the way I said that. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I wanted. To, I always <laughs> want to thank you for your for for making time to do the podcast and uh, um, for uh, throwing some things into the notes so we had stuff to talk about. Um, well, and. Yeah, and thank you for doing most of the work um, for the last two podcasts to get them posted. Thank you for doing most of the work to get ready for this. Like I said, I really didn't do too much except uh, just sort of show up, and and even then, uh, only only half of my mouth was uh, working for most of it. I'm still, I'm still a little bit numb, um, believe it or not. But at least I, I don't feel like I'm going to bite my tongue every time I talk. So, are you comfortably numb? <laughs> I'm uncomfortably numb. I have never been comfortably numb. There is nothing. There is nothing comfortable about being numb at all. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> true that. True that. Ah, <laughs> uh, Don. Uh, as always, good to hear your voice. And uh, listeners, if you have um, any specific feedback, like our friend Bob Gates um, from the Bob and Belinda Gates uh, Foundation. <laughs> um, feel free to send us uh, comments or on either on the website or uh, through iTunes, and we are happy to take any feedback and twist it into what we think is uh, our own. Yeah, po- positive, negative, stream of consciousness, well thought out. We don't care. We're no, we're just happy to. We just we just do it for uh, you know for the for the for the warm human contact. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye.
So through throughout most of that, um, uh, you were not sounding great, and then finally towards the end, I actually got in, intelligent and looked, and I think it was because I had Hazel running in the background. Uh, um, do you know who Hazel is? No, who's that? <laughs> Hazel, who's someone who's running in the back. Of, is she running in your backyard? No, 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 no. Uh, the Hazel icon is a little uh, like a little uh, duster, like a French maid would have. Oh. Um, and and Hazel is a utility that runs in the background and basically um, cleans up files that match certain criteria. So I have her looking at my desktop, and when a file has been on my desktop for more than a certain amount of time, she moves it to my trash. And then when something's been in my trash for more than a certain amount of time, she empties it from the trash. Whoa. Um, yeah, it's a very cool. It's a very cool utility. But for whatever reason, she seemed to be taking up a lot of my CPU. And so I, once I paused her, um, uh, you started to sound a lot better. So I don't know. I've I, we've completely lost track who's doing what for the next episode. But um, hopefully, you've got call recorder running because I'm not sure of the quality of my recording. I do have call recorder running. I, here's the the thing. If you can give me your um, yours because the fur i didn't turn call recorder on until about like 15 seconds or 20 seconds in so i just need the first minute or so and then i can edit that together so if you just just give me the like um you know raw mp3 file into dropbox and i'll do the audio yeah, well, you know what? And we just gave Hazel a free plug, and that was not causing the problem. So, if you're not if you're not using Hazel, go check it out. It's an awesome uh, and well. And if you're if you're if you're not using a Mac, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah. Um, you should switch. But if you are using a Mac and you don't know about Hazel, you should check Hazel out. But you're also now still sounding uh, uh, kind of you know grungy. Oh, it could, I don't know. It could be my internet at the university. I'm not sure what's going on here. Okay. I have I have trouble with. Like, Are you on Wi-Fi, Ben? No, I'm I'm wired, but but I have since. Oh, but but this is this is the the tin can situation where you have too many people talking on the wire, and then it, it kind of slows down your internet. We've talked about uh, yeah, this. Yes, exactly, and it's sometimes good and sometimes not good. And I think I've since learned that although it's wired, it's actually from some high-powered wireless hub. That <laughs> that so it's like I'm wired off that wire wireless hub. <laughs> yeah yeah no i get it yeah which is not not cool anyway um so let's let's see what um I, I, you sounded fine so i know okay. my record yeah you were you were good i didn't so you you didn't sound slow down at all so, i like the ones where we drink i know it's it's fun we get we get all <laughs> we get even more ranty so that's 63 right all right that's 63 oh my gosh um, soon we'll have to retire we two, or two more episodes or we'll have to uh Soon we'll have our sesquicentennial. <laughs> like in another uh, um, 94 episodes. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't, I don't look up what sesquicentennial. I can't even say it. So, uh, I can't. Not with a 150. Oh, okay. Soon. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, cool. Well, have fun. Uh, and I Thanks. will uh, talk to you later. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye-bye.